What is up, Football Life? This is Football Life Presents the Audible. I'm back. We're back after a brief, unexpected hiatus. I am your host, Randy Hammond, back with Matt Bushnell. Matt, it's so good to see you. How you doing? Doing good, Randy. I'm, I'm you know, I, I was optimistic to start the season. I'm, I'm in the five stages of death right now. I see the Bears football season disappearing right in front of my eyes. Hey, don't give up hope. It's, we're only halfway through the season. You know, you're, you're in good shape still to make the playoffs. We'll, we'll break down those games and every game happening that happened in week nine. Uh, it's good to be back with you guys. Thank you for excusing our absence. It was uh, quite the time in our country and in our lives. Uh, some things happened that we expected. Some things happened that we didn't expect. So uh, I appreciate you guys bearing with us and hanging out with us again. We are back and hopefully Matt will be back for the rest of the season talking football with you guys from the time uh, for the rest of the season. All right, let's get right into it. We had uh, a, a pretty entertaining primetime game on Monday Night Football between an AFC East matchup uh, that on paper didn't look too sexy because these two teams were pretty bad this year. But the Patriots and Jets came down to a last second field goal by former Jet kicker Nick Falk to beat his former team uh, 30 to 27, Matt. I mean, you know, for a, a game that on paper looked like it was going to be kind of poopy, it was actually pretty entertaining. You know, it was like bizarro football world with that game last night. But the, the one thing I know about the Jets at this point, the Jets will jet. They will find interesting and new ways to lose. Joe Flacco looked like Super Bowl MVP Joe Flacco. And then in the second half, Joe Flacco looked like Joe Flacco. And, you know, the Jets... I don't know if they're fighting to save Adam Gase's job. I don't know what route they're going to go. The one thing I do know is that the Patriots are bad, but the Jets are worse. These may have been the two worst teams in all of football. And you take a look at it. The Jets arrow is down. I don't think you can deny that. Like you're looking at a rebuild that they were in a rebuild, but they just tacked on maybe four or five more years onto the rebuild. And you take a look at the Patriots, their arrow is down, but you take a look at, Another team that's bad, the Chargers, their arrow is pointing up because mm-hmm. why, Randy? They got the quarterback position right. It makes mm-hmm. all the difference in the world. Once you get that quarterback position right, you can really do some things. But, man, Sam Darnold f- fighting through his injuries, it just feels like it's a death march. You know, we're watching Sam Darnold's career with the Jets disappear. There's no way he comes back to this team next year. No. And to and, me, it's – I was just going to say the writing's on the wall for Sam Darnold and the Jets. I mean, the Darnold, despite you, I don't know how serious the injury is, but the fact that he's not out there, at least trying to play through it, tells me that him and the Jets are already ready to part ways. Absolutely. I, I think we can put that to bed. And I know um, our Jets fans will cite that Denzel Mims, it looks pretty good, you know, developed that combination with Sam Darnold. Why? Darnold's not going to be there next year. Wait for Trevor Lawrence to develop that connection. <laughs> but I, I do like the left tackle in Becton. You know, when he's healthy, he has been very impressive on tape. I think that this kid's got a very bright future. But they're talking about, you know, they wanted to trade Quinn and Williams. The defense needs a complete overhaul. But when we take a look at the Jets, we have to also take a look at the Patriots, Randy, and everyone talking about Cam Newton. Cam Newton started off like gangbusters. Everyone thought that he was going to change. You know, the Patriots could win with him. I think we're seeing Cam's limitations in person now. 
obviously they lack some skill position players that they need to get better at and their entire defense basically opted out. But what we see now with the, these Patriots is the arrows clearly down. It's rebuilding time. I know they uh-huh. have three wins, but they have to draft a quarterback of the future this year or this uh-huh. draft. Yeah. To me, this game is way more of an indictment on the Patriots than it is the jets, because we know the jets are the jets. They are one of the, one of the worst teams in football history, if not the worst. I mean, you've been pretty vocal about how they might be worse than the 2008 lions and the 2016 Browns or 2017 Browns. Um, this Jets team is all time bad, and yet they had a 10 point lead at halftime uh, over the Patriots. That that says a lot to me about this Patriots team and where they are right now. Uh, Cam, all things considered, played well. He hadn't played very well since week two, really. He did okay against the Bills. Uh, he was 27 to 35, 274 yards, no passing touchdowns, but did get two scores on the ground. Um, you know, this was a, a nice day for Damian Harris, who's been a bright spot for the Patriots. He had 14 carries for 71 yards. And then Jacoby Myers, who, you know, the Patriots don't have a ton of great pass catchers. And I'm not considering him a great pass catcher, but he had a day. He had 12 catches for 169 yards. Um, the Patriots, I, I, I think, like you said, the, the arrow is pointing down. They're just like the epitome of mediocrity in 2020. I think that they are in a Tom Brady hangover and a lot of their guys opted out. And Cam, which was nice at first, um, kind of got affected by the COVID situation he had earlier this year um this Patriots team is now three and five they just feel like they're right on the path they eight, eight to me yeah it's it really gives you that eight and eight impression I I think for their betterment they would they should shoot for going three and 13 mm-hmm. I I don't think eight and eight does anything like Bill's think about everything for the Patriots this team loses no credibility if they go three and 13. No one's losing their job in the front office or on the coaching staff. That's what six Super Bowls will afford you in life. They need to rebuild the roster. They're automatically, if COVID gets handled going into 2021, their defense is already going to be light years better than what it is this year. So I think, you know, you're going to have the most money out of any team for free agency. They've worked that out beautifully. They redid their cap. They're going to be players for some pretty good free agents coming up. You know, there's going to be players available. Get your draft pick situation in order. I thought this game was prime for them to lose. I thought if the Jets were going to win any game, it would be this game. Now the Patriots really have to think about, you know, I don't want to say losing intentionally, but I think this team will do enough to lose enough games to be in the top 10 for drafting. Yeah, like, I mean, you don't want to be 8-8. Eight and eight. You don't want to be stuck in no man's land. The Patriots have had this luxury of picking late in the draft every single year, um, which they always seem to find a way to trade back and maximize the value in a lot of those situations. Maybe not picking the best, but avoiding large contracts. So that's always been a credit to them. Now you don't want to be in that middle ground. No one wants those picks in the middle of the draft. Try to get closer to the top 10 area if you can. Um, but I don't believe that they're just going to willingly tank. I think they are going to try to compete. They're in a bad division. The division around them is getting better, so they might be part of the bad division. So we'll see what happens with the Patriots, but uh, they feel like the epitome of mediocrity in 2020. All right, moving on now to the other primetime game of the week and what I think is one of the more shocking outcomes of the week and of the season so far. But maybe I think too highly of the Buccaneers, Matt, and they absolutely got trounced by the Saints in a, a, a NFC South matchup, 38-3. to three. And my question I posed in the rundown that I made today, Matt, is simple. Uh, is this just 
Tampa being fraudulent or is AB legitimately this much of a cancer? Oh boy. Can I think both can be true and both can be false. I, I think mm-hmm. that's where the interesting thing comes in with Tampa. And I'm going to go back to what I thought in the you know beginning of the season. I thought it was the Kansas City Chiefs and then the rest of the NFL. I think Pittsburgh has ascended and people kept on saying, well, Tampa Super Bowl bound. I don't care if Tampa Super Bowl bound or not. Um, it's the Chiefs. And I will go back and I will stand by that comment. I still believe the Chiefs are by far the most complete football team in the NFL. I think what you see with Tampa Bay is obvious flaws. I think they have a flaw with the coaching. I do not buy Bruce Arians. I don't think he's this great mastermind. I know people think he's this great coach. He's this rah-rah. But your shit gets old when you keep on throwing your team, your players under the bus. How many times are you going to do that? I saw it in Arizona with him. When they win, it's we. When they lose, it's you. You know, And that does not go over well. So Brady... It's just too off and on. I when I turned on the game and I saw it was twenty-one nothing, I was like, "Damn, well, Chris Godwin isn't playing." So that kind of makes sense. And I was like, "Oh shit, there's Chris Godwin." So you had Mike mm-hmm. Evans, Chris Godwin, Fournette, Jones. I mean, you had everybody out there, and you know, Brady threw three picks. Thank you for losing me my, you know, <laughs> fantasy game this week, Tom. I I appreciate it, but at the end of the day. The, the, the NFC just seems so flawed to me. You know, I, I think that's the right word for the NFC. I don't think the Saints are great. We saw what they did against the Bears the previous Sunday. Bears offense can't move a ball against a blind defense. So now you beat the Bears 26-23, and then you get absolutely obliterated by the Saints and basically no contest at home. So it leaves me wondering, all right, if, if I'm looking at the landscape, can Tampa Bay beat every team in the NFC? Yes. Can Tampa Bay lose to every team in the NFC? Eh, almost every team. I think that you could take out four teams right away off the top. And, you know, I think Detroit could beat them. I think Minnesota could beat them. I don't think the Giants, well, the Giants almost did beat them. And they, they played an egg against the Giants on Monday Night Football. And I thought it was a fluke. I thought they were looking ahead to this game. And turns out maybe they can lose to anybody. Yeah. So, I mean, we take a look at this and it's just like, I'm not buying the NFC this year, Randy. It's hard, and I I really hope that there's a team. I know we talked about Seattle, but you can't win with that bad of a defense. That yeah. defense is all-time bad. So I go back to it. It's the Chiefs. It, it, it's going to be the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it just feels like it's self-fulfilling destiny at this point. As long as Patrick Mahomes and those boys are healthy, I don't know who beats them. Yeah, it's just I like the feeling of the conference being wide open. Like you said, it is uh, uh, sort of fraudulent or or whatever, but uh, it's wide open. And at the end of the day, that's what you want. The NFL is, is beloved because of its unpredictability. So regardless that the Chiefs are probably going to end up on top, who they play is yet to be determined. And I think you can make an argument for uh, a number of teams and the Packers being one of them, the Bucks being one of them, the Saints, perhaps uh, the Seahawks, definitely any of the teams in the NFC West minus, you know, probably the 49ers at this point, they're too banged up. I can see making a run, but that's what we love about the sport is that anything can really happen at any given time. 
the NFC truly feels that way this year, and I love that. Uh, this game, Tom Brady truly looked old. <laughs> I think he's looked okay in spurts this year, um, but he looked very old in this game. 22 of 38, 209 yards, zero touchdowns, three picks, like you said. And coming in, this game was dubbed as, oh, they could be the all-time touchdown leaders they could go back and forth on that and it turns out breeze gets the last 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 laugh here because he's 26 of 32 for 222 yards and four touchdowns so maybe next time for tom but this is also the first time in his 20-year career he has lost two games to the same team in the division so uh he's already seeing that, he, that he's not playing in the afc east any longer but uh you hate to see it sometimes with tom but sometimes Times you, you certainly love to see it. And one more thing on the Bucks, I love that their roster is, is is really well put together and they have a lot of talent. I, despite my my belief in not having running backs being taken in the top of the draft or re-signing running backs, you still need to run the ball effectively. My philosophy on that has never changed. The Bucks ran the ball five times for eight yards. Just not going to get the job done. I don't care if you have Tom Brady or Dan Marino or who at quarterback. You need to run the football. At least establish it. At least try to run the ball. You know, and I think that part bothers me with a lot of the teams and still the past happy offenses in the NFL. We see teams like the Lions, I'm sorry, not the Lions, but well, I mean, we could say the Lions because they've blown some leads, but teams like the Falcons, you have to be able to effectively end a game. And when you can't run the ball for first downs and you cannot take time off the clock, it, it, it can ruin, it could be the difference between wins and losses. I don't think that we can look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and feel confident that they can go and run through the playoffs. They have a big problem with the saints. Now they've lost both games to the saints. That's like an extra game advantage in the standings. So while it may say they're one game up on the standings, really they're two because they hold the tiebreaker over the bucks. Yep. So I think with what we've seen from the saints, the saints are probably going to win between that 11 and 12 game range. I don't think the Bucs are going to get to 13. So we're looking at the Bucs as a wild card team right now, I feel like. And that means they may very well have to go to Green Bay in January. They're yeah. not winning that game. Tom Brady's not, you know, he signed in Tampa Bay for a reason. He doesn't want to go play in zero degree weather. So with that being said, Seattle's going to be miserable to play in during the winter as well. You're just not going to want to go to those places. The conditions are not going to be right. So the team, and I'm going to say this very clearly, the team that scares me the most going into the playoffs is the Cardinals. If the Cardinals grab a playoff spot because they can run the football unconventionally with Kyler Murray, he may not throw the ball all over the yard, but he will shred apart your defense if you leave an open hole. The defense isn't great, but it's getting better. But I want a running team. I, I, th I think that's how we're going to have to shape up this offseason. I'm sorry, this postseason for the NFL. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be different in the NFC. But the Chiefs, what can they do, Randy? they can run the football right yeah they, obviously they can run the football but they can do anything they want they're a chameleon team they can adjust to any sort of game style we, we love the chiefs and we'll talk about them in a little bit uh gun to my head if you said i mean before this our friend sandra rivera posted football life asking us what the super bowl matchup you thought it was going to be halfway through the season i said it was bucks chiefs as i said before the season but this game really turns me off from the bucks now just based off of this game just overreaction 
Tuesday or whatever you want to call it. I would say I trust the Packers probably more than any other team because they can run the football. They have a Hall of Fame level quarterback. They have an elite pass catcher who can make plays and their defense, while not great, average enough that I think, you know, they could they can make a run. So if you're if you're asking me which NFC team I trust the most right now, it's probably Green Bay. I'll tell you right now, the NFC better hope the 49ers don't get healthy and make the playoffs because that will be a problem team to out. And I know our guy Henry and Roberto are big 49er fans. But I'm just saying, if that team can get healthy and just get in the playoffs, I don't know if they're going to be able to, because I think right now, what, they're four and four now, um, four and five. I'm not sure if they had their bye yet. But if the 49ers can sneak into the playoffs with that backfield and how they can run the football, it's it could be pretty scary. Yeah, uh, the big thing for the Niners is health. So we'll see what happens with them. Um, but Matt, we have plenty of other games to get to here. Week nine is pretty entertaining week. Another great red zone week. Uh, so why don't you get us started? All right, I'm going to get right into it. Falcons Broncos, a game probably very few people watched. But guess what? Hey, the Falcons won. And they almost didn't because they gave up 21 fourth quarter points to the Broncos. I don't know how this keeps on happening. It's like Groundhog Day for these Falcons. Every fourth quarter, not good. But Drew Locke, 25 and 48, 313 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, but seven carries for 47 yards and a touchdown for Locke. Jerry Judy, I think this is the game where we all say Jerry Judy has arrived in the NFL. Seven receptions, 125 yards, and a touchdown. Our, my guy, Tim Patrick, four for 29 and a touchdown. Not quite going to get it done. But here we go with Matt Ryan and the Pass Happy Falcons. 25 for 35, 284 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. Todd Gurley, 19 carries for 53 yards, looking very old with one touchdown. And then... I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Um, I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to call him Zacchaeus. Four receptions for 103 yards and a touchdown. Julio Jones, five for 54 and a touchdown. Hayden Hurst had seven catches for 62 yards. Not much takeaway. Falcons are three and six. Maybe Raheem Morris gets a shot next year. I don't know. But to me, the Falcons are playing out the string and hoping for draft pick positioning. Yeah, uh, the Falcons schedule lightens up a little bit, though, so don't be surprised if Raheem Morris coaches them up and ends up keeping that job. So we'll can monitor the Falcons, and uh, I kind of like their white uniforms a little bit, but moving on now. Uh, And I'm going to just – breaking news animation, holy shit animation. Daniel Jones played a football game and did not turn the ball over. Can you believe it, folks? It happened. I watched it with my own two eyes, and the Giants won because of it. They won 23-20 to over the Washington football team. In fact, Daniel Jones has five career victories since becoming the Giants' starting quarterback last year, and four of them are against the Washington football team. So despite the Giants not being able to defeat the Cowboys or the Eagles in division in the last four years, the Washington football team is the gift that keeps on giving for New York. I have a friend of the Washington football team. He claims that the Giants always look like the 86 Giants every single time they play, which I'll take because at the end of the day, the Giants don't win as often as I would like. Uh, Jones finishing 23 of 34 with 212 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Decent day for Wayne Gallman on the ground, 14 carries for 68 yards and a touchdown. And Alfred Morris coming back from the dead, nine carries, 67 yards. Uh, Giants running game looking pretty good the last couple of weeks. Uh, But this game is all about the Washington football team and the lack of uh, ability to execute. And poor Kyle Allen just joins the list of players um, in Washington's history to have gruesome injuries 
Um, Jabril Peppers gets a sack, gets kind of tripped into him. Looks like he does a spinning heel kick that you would see in wrestling and his ankle uh, literally gets dislocated. You can see it immediately. They call out the trainers. Thankfully, it's not nearly as bad as Alex Smith or Joe Theismann of Redskins lore. Um, he did not break his leg in multiple places. So it seems like even that Ron Rivera was optimistic that he might not even miss the rest of the season. So uh, I don't even think the ankle broke. I think it was just a dislocated ankle. It looks gruesome, but thankfully not as bad for Kyle Allen. But in comes Alex Smith. Uh, he's, he goes 24 of 32, 325 yards on a touchdown, but three just terrible interceptions. And uh, I think the speed of the game is almost overcoming him at this point some of those throws he was making on the run when he, I, every time he takes off and runs I get all kind of scared because I don't know what's going to happen and he threw some balls across the, the field as if he's Pat Mahomes and they would get an end up interception intercepted um, but you know in this division every win counts the, this, this, these are two teams with two wins the Giants two and seven Washington two and six uh, and they're only both a game back here in the division at this point which is sad but that's the truth um, and the Giants you know both only their only two wins this year came against Washington and this time around uh, Washington had five turnovers and they still almost found a way to blow the game Thankfully, they did not, and here we are with the Giants and, and Washington still with a chance here at the division, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, but, yeah, that's the state of the NFC as of week nine. I mean, you have to be kind of encouraged, though, with Joe Judge. I think you guys got the right yes. coach there, and they've been fighting. They've been scrappy. Uh, they, they, they need more talent. I mean, Andrew Thomas, um, their first-round draft pick, obviously I think we could say it's pretty safe. He was the worst of the left tackles to get drafted mm -hmm. and it hurts when you miss on stuff like that, but hopefully Gettleman leaves and Joe judge can run his type of player, get his type of players in. But yes, credit to credit to judge for having a one in 17 come out and still play hard because that is way harder than what it just sounds like. I mean, these guys typically quit and they, they, even if they have personal pride, they still will just say, you know, screw this. I don't care. So it is a credit to him and Patrick Graham. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what you see with the Giants right now is a lack of depth because they're just short manned. And I, I think that team has got a pretty bright future with the right coach in place. That's half the battle. Absolutely. Speaking of the right coaching, <laughs> the Chicago Bears. Here we go. I mean, we got Felipe, Emmanuel, Leon's probably chuckling somewhere in the dark depths of New York City with his Detroit Lions, who lost. So with this being said, let's, I'm just going to get into it. I, I'm not going to give numbers because a lot of people are saying, well, Nick Foles, Nick Foles did this. First of all, I don't give a damn what Nick Foles did. I don't give a damn what the Bears, you know, they're five and four now. They did not score a point until the fourth quarter. They're leading rusher at halftime. Anybody want to take a guess? Anybody? Guess who the Bears' leading rusher was at halftime? Uh, wasn't it Barkevious Mingo? Yes, Barkevious Mingo <laughs> was the Bears' leading rusher. And for those who don't know who Barkevious Mingo is, he's a fucking linebacker. He is a linebacker, and he got 11 yards on a fake punt. And I'm going to eviscerate Nagy here because I was kind of weighing out seeing because the team plays hard. The, the team plays hard. And you know what I figured out, Randy? You know what unit plays hard? The defense plays hard. The defense is carrying this sad sack of pathetic fucking offensive coaching all year. And finally, you know what? You're starting to see the cracks. When the Bears were down 10-0, I knew it was over. It, it was over as soon as it got to 10 when you can't do this as an offense. 
You have playmakers offensively with Allen Robinson. I do like Anthony Miller, even though he's a bit of a head case. Darnell Mooney is a freaking steal in the fifth round. I think David Montgomery is a pretty decent running back. Does he have home run speed? No, but I think the kid can play. So this is what Nagy wanted. He didn't want Mitch from day one. Fine. You know what? I'll give you your quarterback. Let's see what you can do. Gives us Nick Foles. This offensive line can't block. Nick Foles saying this idiot is calling plays that we can't run. Okay. So that gets aired on national television. What does Nagy do? Steve keeps on calling the same damn plays. This guy cannot string together a decent offense. And I'm not, I'm done with the play calling. Don't give me the play calling BS because we don't know what's in the playbook. Well, we do know what's in the playbook. It's fucking trash. But when you can't adapt your team to what they can do, your system is not working. You need to change it. I don't care if it's Trubisky or Foles. Trubisky is a better athlete. I'm I'm just going to put it out there like that. We saw what made Trubisky successful rolling him out of the pocket, having him throw on the run, having him use his legs. And you know what? Mitch might be too scared to do that now because of all the injuries he's had. But I I gave Chuck Pagano a little bit of crap because I don't like how laid back the Bears defense is. And I finally figured it out, Randy. I know why. I think Pagano knows that if he does blitz and they score a touchdown, it's game over. It's game over. One only points the Bears have in the third quarter this year. Seven. Yikes. They've scored seven points in the third quarter in nine games. I can't even I can't even fathom that. The Jets have more third quarter points. This team is just befuddled. And I'm not even going to blame Ryan Pace. You want to know why I'm not going to blame Ryan Pace? Because look at that defense. The only player on that defense that Pace did not attribute to bringing in himself was Kyle Fuller, who's drafted by Phil Emery. But guess what Pace did? He transitioned, tagged Fuller, played it beautifully. The Packers offered him a, a sheet. He let the market decide his value, and he's like, okay, we're matching that. Pace is bringing in guys like Mario Edwards, Roy Robertson, Harrison, Blyle Nichols. These guys can play. Barkevius Mingo looks like he can play in this defense. He got Cleo Mack, Robert Quinn. I don't know, you know, put him on a milk car and we don't know where he's at, <laughs> but th- this offense is naggy and it's an issue. You put Mitch in there or you put Foles in there. You can't put Foles in there because the offensive line sucks. You've been decimated by injuries. The coach controls who plays on Sunday. Why the fuck is Charles Leno still playing? He is by far the worst left tackle I've seen in this league. And I know I talked about Andrew Thomas. Give me Andrew Thomas before Charles Leno. I don't want Charles Leno anywhere near this team. I don't want him backing up anybody. He belongs in the CFL, the AFL, whatever. Put him in the Australian Rugby League because I don't want the guy. He sucks. He's got no heart, no balls, no testicles, nothing down there. He's not even a fucking man because you know what blocking is? It's about an attitude. You go there and you do what you need to do. You're nasty. You're mean. Give me a guy that's aggressive. That's why I like Becton because that guy's a straight beast. He's a mauler. That's what offensive line is, is being mean and pissed off at everything. You're angry because you were fat as a kid. You're angry because people used to call you the jolly green giant because you were bigger than everyone else. But you know what you did in high in school? You beat those kids up. Leno, nope, not touching them, not doing it. Oh, uh, patty cake, reach block. I don't want to come after you. You come to me. 
sick of this shit with this team. I'm sick of it. I've had it. They're five and four. I thought they would go 10 and six, 11 and five. I'm not sure if that's even possible. I think the Vikings come in here and I think they're going to whoop their ass. Why? Because Zimmer has a bit of an attitude. This team has an edge. They can run the football. Dalvin Cook's dynamic. Adam Thielen's good. Hell, this team is going to have problems if this offense doesn't change. And you're going to start seeing some quit in that defense. When they get down 10 nothing, they know it's over. You're going to see the quit because Nagy cannot fucking change what he's doing. And it's aggravating and it's frustrating. Bears lost 24-17. Tennessee's a good team. But the defense limited Derrick Henry to 21 yards for 21 carries for 68 yards. Tannehill went 10 for 21 and 158 yards and two touchdowns. If you'd have told me Tanny and Henry would have put up those numbers, I would have said Bears win. But guess what? Nagy's the head coach and the Bears suck. To your point about blocking, uh, the best way I ever heard how to describe blocking it is you're literally moving another man against his will. So you need to have that mindset that you're not going near this guy. And no matter what, if I have anything to say about it, you cannot be uh, a beta and be an offensive lineman. You need to be the aggressor in that situation. But uh, yeah, struggle, uh, difficult times for the bears. Alan Robinson, come on down, come, come to the giants. We need a number one. So uh, come on, come on over. Uh, love me some Alan Robinson. All right, moving on. Now we're going to do some rapid game recaps here because unfortunately, Matt, it gets worse for you in the show because the Josh Allen MVP brigade is back. It has been a three week hiatus. I don't know what happened to them. I don't know where they went, but all of a sudden they're back because Josh Allen played a great game against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, he was 31 of 38, 415 yards and three touchdowns. Crew high passing yards in a 44 to 34 victory. The Bills would go up 14 nothing quick on Seattle's putrid defense. And this is with Jamal Adams coming back, and it's not a good sign for them. Uh, the Seahawks are at the point now where they need Russell Wilson to play perfect football for them to succeed. And Russell Wilson just turns the ball over too much this season. And he was my preseason MVP, but he cannot be the MVP when you turn the ball over four times. He had two interceptions and lost two fumbles. It's not going to get the job done in a game that you only lost by 10. You win this game. You don't turn the ball over. So to me, Russell Wilson cannot be the MVP favorite if he's turning the ball over. That being said, Josh Allen, still not the MVP. <laughs> Never was the MVP. Uh, great game by him. He really did play very well in this game. So credit to him. And he actually added a score on the ground too, but uh, the bills just put it on the Seahawks here. They were up 24 to 10 at halftime. And it was just too much of a deficit for Seattle to overcome. Russ still 28 to 41, 390 yards, added two touchdowns um, and one on the ground, but the four turnovers ended up being too much for Seattle to overcome. DK Metcalf, your guy, seven catches, 108 yards and a touchdown. DJ Moore, four for 71 and a touch. Uh, Stephon Diggs, nine catches, 118 yards. He appears to be back. And then uh, John Brown, who had not played very well, was eight of 99 and ended up being a really – making a ton of plays for Josh Allen down the stretch in this game. Um, both of these teams have flaws. Both defenses kind of flawed. Um, but the Bills just did the thing where they didn't turn the ball over in Seattle, you know, sh shooting themselves in the foot just like they did uh, – in the game that they already lost this year. So uh, for us to be the MVP, he's going to have to limit the turnovers and play perfect football because his, the team surrounding him, especially the defense is not good enough. Regardless, I expect both of these teams to be playoff teams. The Seahawks are six and two and the bills are seven and two. So don't be surprised when you see these teams both come January. Yep. I'm going to touch on the MVP in a minute, but from that, we move on to Baltimore and Indianapolis. 
The Colts used to play in Baltimore. Now it's the Ravens. The Ravens used to play in Cleveland, but now they play in Baltimore. Musical chairs time for this week. Nine tilt. Baltimore moves to six and two with a 24-10 win over the Indianapolis Colts. And to our dear friend, Bob Milliken, Bob, I, I mean, God, we're stuck with the White Sox hiring Jerry Attrick, Tony La Russa, who obviously likes to drink and drive in warm weather cities. So hopefully Chicago's mm-hmm. too cold for this. Anyway, Baltimore wins. Lamar Jackson, I mean, the passing leaves a little bit of desire. 19 of 23 for 170 yards, but he did carry the ball 13 times for 58 yards and a touchdown. Running back by committee, Gus Edwards, 11 for 23 and a touchdown. Um, I just never think this offense is going to be good enough to really win a big playoff game, Randy. It just feels to me, granted, the Colts are good defensively, I just I, I don't feel like Baltimore has that offensive gear. Kind of feel a little bit like the Bears, but with better players offensively and a better coach. Uh, Philip mm-hmm. Rivers, old man Rivers. I mean, I it's it after this year. He should not be signed by anybody. Twenty five for forty three, two hundred and twenty seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, running, I don't know why Jonathan Taylor's only getting six carries for twenty seven yards and a touchdown. He needs more. He needs the ball in his hands. Michael Pittman showing some shine those usc receivers they get it going they're pretty good uh pitman four catches for 56 yards zach pascal five yards for five receptions for 55 yards not a whole lot here mo alley cox three for 43 obviously you didn't want anybody on your fantasy team playing in this game unless it was the ravens defense but Colts are five and three, not looking good for me with my prediction that the Colts were going to go to the afc title game they Mm -hmm. failed me Goodbye, Colts. I'm off your wagon. It's hard to hit your wagon to Philip Rivers these days, but moving on now to a game that you probably hope you had plenty of guys on your fantasy team in because the Kansas City Chiefs escape a potential upset from the Carolina Panthers. And one of the games of the day, 33-31, to 31, uh, an impressive quarterback matchup between Teddy Bridgewater and Patrick Mahomes. Bridgewater, 36 of 49, 310 yards, two touchdowns. Mahomes, 30 of 45, 372 yards, Four touchdowns, zero turnovers, only has one turnover on the season. Pat Mahomes putting together a clinic here, uh, just an elite quarterback play. Um, And this is with the Chiefs only rushing the ball 12 times for 30 yards. So the Chiefs going to have to run the ball a little bit more effectively, uh, I think, moving forward. But regardless, we we talk about how the Chiefs can adapt to any sort of playing style. I think the Panthers offensively present a challenge to anyone, uh, and, and they can play in any sort of shootout style game. This is a game that featured Christian McCaffrey's return, uh, 18 carries, 69 yards and a touchdown. He looked good. Also had 10 catches for 82 yards and a touchdown. His return might have been short-lived, and we'll talk about him in the injury report coming up in a little bit. But he looked great. It was nice to see him back on the field. Uh, Curtis Samuel, nine, about, nine for 105 and a touchdown. I don't know how Teddy Two Deluxe does it with the, the spirals, with wearing the gloves. I don't know how he does it. But, it, I mean, he, he's playing really well this year, and it, it's a, he really likes uh, – Brady's offense with Matt Rule. And speaking of Matt Rule, I don't know what his deal is here with Joey Sly, but this is the, I believe, the second straight week or the second time in three weeks that he throws Joey Sly out there for a 65 yard plus field goal uh, to either tie or win the game. And in this situation, would have won the game. I believe it was a 68 yarder. 
but I don't necessarily disagree with the the play the the decision to kick the field goal because I don't trust Teddy Bridgewater to throw you know a 50 yard bomb towards the end zone. Teddy Bridgewater is not the biggest arm ever. What I disagree with is the play calling leading up to the field goal. Like they had opportunities to gain 10, 12 more yards to help Joey Sly out. Uh, but if you remember the kick against the Saints, Sly was right down the pipe, but missed it by about a yard this time around had the distance, but obviously was more concerned with the distance than the accuracy because it shanked to the right. Uh, and that's how the game ended. But I think Joey Sly, you know, he's going to make one of these, one of these days. And I think rule is putting that confidence in him, despite the fact that he has not made it yet. So I think rule is a hell of a coach here. Um, I know the Panthers are three and six, but you can see, their development. You can see that they have a foundation in place already. So I really like that coaching staff with Joe Brady. And uh, I really like a lot of their players too. Their offense is fun to watch. Um, but the chiefs, you know, eight and one, yeah, eight and one. And, you know, they look like the best team in the AFC. And like you said, they're probably going to end up being the champs once again. Uh, yeah. Pat Mahomes, do you think that he uh, kind of took over the MVP race at this point here, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's Pat Mahomes to lose now. The numbers that he puts up, when you're that efficient and you're not turning the ball over with those playmakers and that defense and what they can do now with the running game, it's it's a nightmare matchup. I mean, the Panthers played them about as well as you could play them. And what's scary about the Chiefs is I, I've seen them go into another gear. I've seen them go into two more gears than what they have. And that's the difference with this team. It almost feels like they're playing with their food now. It's like, okay, eh, I'm going to let you get up. Like we saw it throughout the playoffs. You know, they would get down mm-hmm. by 24. They get down by 17. It doesn't matter with this team. No lead is safe. I don't mind the field goal attempt, but Patrick Mahomes is another level, another human being, the best quarterback in the NFL. And I, I will stand by my statement. If he remains healthy for the rest of his career, he'll be the best quarterback that ever played in the NFL. Certainly looks that way. No, no arguments for me every week. He finds ways to just say, gets you to say, well, I've never seen anyone do that before. And I'm not that old. I haven't been watching football for that long, but most people who have, who are football historians agree. So we could be watching something historically special with Patrick Mahomes. Well, moving into historically special, (laughs) these two teams are not (laughs) it. The Detroit Lions and the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is clawing its way back from the depths of a one in five record to be three and five. Now that's two in a row, two in a row mm-hmm. against the Detroit. We find ways to lose lions. So you ask Kirk cousins, it's below 500. You're playing a team that's below 500. What are you going to do? Easy. I'm going to go 13 for 20, 220 yards and three touchdowns and no picks. Cause guess what? The lions suck. That's why <laughs> Dalvin cook. I don't even know what to say about this guy anymore. 22 carries, 206 yards, two touchdowns worth every damn cent. Leon, it was nice having you on. We appreciate seeing you here. I can understand why you would log off. <laughs> Alexander Matson, 12 carries, 69 yards. Justin Jefferson, three for 64. Dalvin Cook, two for 46. Dalvin Cook's putting up 250 total yards almost every damn week. This is getting ridiculous with him. Kyle Rudolph, three for 40. Uh, don't sleep on the Vikings. This might be a dark horse here. The Lions, Matthew Stafford, 23 or 32, 211 yards, one touchdown, two picks. Chase Daniel comes in to save the day, right? Eight of 13, 94 yards, one touchdown, one pick. Not so much. Seen that act in Chicago. 
DeAndre Swift, 13 carries for 64 yards, not much. Danny Amendola, when he's your leading receiver, I guarantee you, you lost. Seven receptions, 77 yards. Marvin Jones, three for 43 and a touchdown. TJ Hawkerson, five for 39 and a touchdown, making fantasy owners a little bit happy there. But overall, another Lions loss, three and five, destined to be picking in the top 10 and drafting another defensive player because they don't want to score. Yeah, tough week for the Lions with Matt Stafford being on the COVID-19 list all week long and being cleared to play and no uh, Kenny Galladay, which I think is a difference maker for that offense. So tough sledding for the Lions. And uh, one no note about Dalvin Cook. I think we talk about how much running backs matter and everything. I think he, him, Derrick Henry, and Alvin Kamara have been the guys this year that have been the absolute studs. Uh, and credit to those guys, they've been amazing. And one thing I want to just point out about Dalvin Cook that uh, maybe some other people uh, in our audience might not appreciate, but Dalvin Cook actually second round pick. 41st overall, just throwing that uh, little nugget out there for you all. Still got paid, Randy. He still got paid. I disagree with the paying of him, but it's certainly looking like the right decision right now. So who cares what I think? I'm not a general manager in the NFL. Okay, moving on to some more garbage, which actually was a pretty entertaining game for the most part, uh, which is an AFC South matchup. The Houston Texans escaping a potential upset from the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't know if it's – Luton or Lutton, um, but he took over for Gardner Minshew. Uh, Jake, I'm going to say Lutton because I'm a Lutton for punishment. See what I did there? Uh, but he actually looked pretty good. His first throw of the day, he hit DJ Chark on an absolute bomb on a 73-yarder. Uh, and he was 26 to 38 for 304 yards, a touchdown, a pick. And he had the game, like a potentially uh, tying touchdown if they got the two point conversion on a rushing touchdown, a 13 yard rushing touchdown late in this game, where he had the slowest spin move of all time, scores, celebrates like he just won the, you know, the, the chance to go to the Super Bowl. And then he goes, Oh, what? shit, I forgot I need to go for two here and just absolutely short arms it. Uh, and the poor guy, I would be like, you know, he got a little too excited and didn't, uh, you know, contain himself in the moment where he, you know, potentially could have tied the game. But the Texans escape with a win here. They improved two and six, which I, I'm always kind of shocked that the Texans are two and six, but I guess I should not be. But uh, Deshaun Watson, 19-32, 281 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and David Johnston, 1,000-1,000 update, not looking good. 16-41 for a touchdown uh, on the ground. And then four catches for 32 yards in the air. So, you know, he's not looking uh, like his promise is going to be there. And these teams are going nowhere, looking like the Jags have that second pick locked up at this point. Maybe we should book The Undertaker for one of these shows. And, you know, you could just tell David Johnson's aspirations of that to rest in peace <laughs> because it's over. <laughs> Meanwhile, James Robinson, mind you, on the other side, undrafted free agent stud, uh, had 20 carries for 99 yards. So he uh, continues to have an impressive season and being an underrated fantasy superstar for those uh, who picked him up early in the season. That is true. Speaking of underrated fantasy superstars, I present to everyone Justin Herbert. He was on the streets until week three. 28 of 42 for the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. That is not San Diego Chargers. 326 yards, two touchdowns. Not only that, but he gives them five carries for 24 yards. Justin Herbert, what I see from him is an electric arm, Randy. This kid has an arm. He may throw the prettiest deep ball in the NFL. Now, I think Mahomes and him could definitely go toe-to-toe in that category, but Herbert's deep ball just looks pretty. It's It's so so pretty. pretty. 
just oh. drops it in there, you know, and we saw it on hard knocks when uh, the running back, I forget his name said, man, that's a pretty ball. And then they started making fun of him because he's like, Hey, Justin Herbert's got pretty balls, <laughs> but the Chargers come on the short end of this to the John Gruden led Las Vegas Raiders 31 to 26 Derek Carr making noise 13 of 23, 165 yards, two touchdowns, economical David Carr. Devontae Booker, eight carries, 68 yards, a touchdown. Josh Jacobs, 14 carries, 65 yards, a touchdown. This team is going to pound it on the ground. Their leading receivers were Hunter Renfro, two catches for 60 yards, no touchdowns. Aguilar, two catches for 55 and a touchdown. And Darren Waller, five catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. I, I have a feeling the Raiders are going to sneak into the playoffs, be a sneaky team, probably win a game, but I really like where this Raiders team is heading. Eh, got some good players on there. Uh, I just want to mention the, the, the game-ending sequence for the Chargers is very Chargers-esque. I believe the number, they've lost 41 score games in the last three years, which is just an insane statistic. Um, but they line up three receivers on the left side of the field and one on the right and they throw it to the tight end which I believe is their third string tight end and he has it the announcers call it a touchdown the only two other catches in his career were touchdowns and they're all excited uh all Farnham does is catch touchdowns and then on review uh he did not hang on to the ball and that is unfortunately how the Chargers will lose this game Matt what did you make of that decision um would you have tried to go to someone a little bit more sure-handed like Keenan on that spot I probably so, so here's the thing. You have to take a look at the matchups, but there's no way. In that part of the end zone, Keenan Allen's fine. I'm throwing the jump ball to Mike Williams. I want my big-bodied wide out getting the shot at the football here. I love Keenan Allen, runs nice routes, but you really want to give a, a big body that type of chance. And I would have thrown it to Mike Williams. No way. I mean, the, the third string tight end, nice story and everything, but, you know, it's a learning moment for Herbert. I'm sure the tight end wasn't the primary target, but you know what? Let your playmakers make plays. Chargers going to charger that Phillip Rivers stank still on them, unfortunately. Uh, they'll figure out the win, how to win someday with Justin Herbert. I have no doubts. All right, moving on now to where if you're a betting man like me, uh, you took the Steelers and the points uh, coming into this game because the Cowboys are just god-awful, but it would be the Cowboys who were up 10 in the fourth quarter eventually to lose 24-19. to They still didn't cover, thank you, these jerks. But anyway, Ben Roethlisberger, 29-42, uh, 306 yards, three touchdowns. While banged up in this game, he took a shot to the knee. Uh, he was hobbling. A big Ben tends to exaggerate these things. Uh, I, I don't know why, but he is kind of an actor with the injuries. But he is a tough guy. I will never dispute that. But he played a, a great game. Steelers not that effective on the ground, which I thought against the Cowboys defense, which is just atrocious. They would be more effective. Uh, James Conner, nine carries, 22 yards. They only, as a team, at 18 carries for 46 yards. Um, but Juju Smith-Schuster, an effective game, six catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. Deontay Johnson, six for 77. Chase Claypool, eight for 69. And this is Big Ben just knowing how to spread the ball around to his receivers. He still got it. I mean, as far as the 2004 quarterback class goes, Rivers and Big Ben are on different levels right now. Uh, it is clear that Big Ben still has much more on the tank than Phillip Rivers does at this point. Uh, but this was this Cowboys game was Garrett Gilbert. They kind of gave up on Ben DiNucci. Uh, this is an XFL star, Garrett Gilbert. 
Gilbert, who I believe was a successful college quarterback, I believe in Texas. Don't, don't quote me on that, but I believe someone in the comments could probably look that up, but I believe I remember him being successful in college. Um, and this is a Tony Pollard out playing Zeke Elliott again game, which is just a burden of my fantasy team, but nine carries 57 yards for Pollard, Zeke 18 to 51. So the Cowboys, uh, despite looking absolutely dead most of the time so far this year, only like losing with some dignity for once, which I guess I'm not one for moral victories, but if you're a Cowboys fan, you're two and seven and you're like, well, maybe Garrett Gilbert can help us. You know, maybe we can win the division here. I don't know, but you certainly look better than you did with Ben DiNucci and the Steelers and Matt. And I want to do this schedule game with you because they are nine and or eight. No. And I want to go through the rest of their schedule with you to see if we think that they could be the come the second team ever to go 16 and zero. So Next on the schedule, they already had their bye week, so we're just going to go in order. Bengals at home, at Jacksonville, uh, home against the Ravens, home against the Washington football team, at Buffalo, at Cincinnati, home against the Colts, and at the Browns. Are the Steelers going to do this? No. Nope. I think – when you have a bye week, what they have bye week four? Uh, yeah, that, it was adjusted because of the COVID situation. Yeah, so, so you're looking at a team that I mean, maybe if they had it in week eight, I would have felt better about it. But you, you're going to see the attrition, you know, just the beat up bodies. I, I definitely think they're going. I I think they will lose to Buffalo. I, I don't know why. I just think that's a losable game for them. But. I, I, I got a feeling the Bengals are going to beat them. I just, mm-hmm. from everything you see from Joe Burrow, just an absolute stud. Burrow can sling it all over the field. I love what the kid's doing. So I, I think Burrow gets his first signature win, and I think it'll be against the Steelers. So, nope, the Steelers are not going to go undefeated. All right, well. I, I would also look at that Ravens game. I know that the Ravens already lost to them, but I can, you know, those games are always tough uh, at Buffalo, like you said. And then the Colts, um, you know, still a solid team with a good defense. You know, I could see a potential upset there. So uh, I agree. I do not think that they will go undefeated, especially, you know, we have some news on Ben Roethlisberger that we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the schedule is not kind to the Steelers for that to happen. So uh, they'll definitely be, you know, 13 and three, 14 and two with the number one seed in the AFC, or maybe not, maybe the Chiefs will have it, but regardless, they'll be a top two team in the AFC when all things are done. All things are said and done. Okay, and moving on to a coaching clinic in the Arizona Cardinals, losing to the Miami Dolphins. You talk about exciting games, Randy. This may have been the game of the week. Yep, Absolutely. absolutely. You get Kyler Murray and Tua Tagovailoa. I mispronounced his name. Damn it! I practiced it before the show. I'm just gonna call him Tua Tua. Tua Tua was awesome, and it reaffirms my thought process on this kid being the best quarterback in the draft. I know people love Burrow. I know people are in love with Justin Herbert, but Tua just kind of has a little bit of a moxie to him, a little bit of different feel to him. It may not always be pretty, but damn, he's a good quarterback. Lefty too, so it throws people off a little bit. So he went 20 of 28, 248 yards, two touchdowns. Running really didn't exist for this team. Sylvan Ahmed, seven carries for 38 yards. Tua had seven carries for 35 yards. So decent. But he's finding receivers. Randy, let's count out the receptions. 
Devontae Parker had six. Preston Williams had four. Mike Gosecki had three. Jakeem Grant had four. Durham Smythe had one. Patrick Laird had one. Mac Hollins even had one. So that's one, two, three, four, eight different receivers that two was finding on a regular basis. So the kid is spreading it, spreading the ball around. He has good vision. He's seeing his guys clearly. So that's half the battle. So I really love Tua. And then we get Kyler Murray, who's just an absolute, you know, you can't say enough nice things about Murray. I just wish he'd stop fumbling. Just like, stop with the turnovers, Murray. We get it. You know, you just want to give the other team a chance. But 21 of 26 for 283 yards, three touchdowns. Like I said, the kid is freaking electric. 11 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown for Murray. So, you know, you just really like what he does. Chase Edmonds, 25 carries, 70 yards. I have a feeling this is the Christian Kirk show, man. For the past few weeks, Christian Kirk has been showing out. But... When you take a look at Christian Kirk, five catches, 123 yards, one touchdown. The guy in the slot is devastating teams. Now that DeAndre Hopkins is taking a lot of that pressure off, Christian Kirk is finding all sorts of ways. You might not be able to cover him one-on-one. Not only is Hopkins the best receiver on this team, it elevates Hop, uh, Christian Kirk to that number two status, and then you can slip Fitzgerald nicely into that three slot. Fitzgerald will get you those tough first down yards. And Fitzgerald did have a nice game, four catches for 54 yards. Hopkins had three for 30. So they're really showing out. And, I mean, you want to count receptions. You know, I said to had eight different receivers. Kyler Murray, not to be outdone, had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine receivers that he hit to. But we go into Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury got pantsed by Brian Flores. I go back to – I. We talk about the Patriot coaches who fail and other stops, not Brian Flores. Brian Flores is the real damn deal. He's a great coach. This is a hard-nosed team. And think about this. Miami is going to have their first-round draft pick. They're going to have the Texans' first-round draft pick. They're going to have their second-round draft pick. They're going to have the Texans' second-round draft pick. The Dolphins are going to be exponentially better and for any team, like talk about Bills Mafia and, oh, it's the Bills division. No, 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 no. Bills get one year at this. Maybe they get next year for a crack, but the Dolphins are running this shit in 2022 to about 2029. This team mm. is stacked, and they are that damn good. I love what the Dolphins have going on. Finally, a Miami team we can all enjoy. <laughs> Uh, I love Tua Tagovailoa, Tungavailoa, whatever you want to call them. Those are the two pronunciations I've heard. Uh, announcers seem to be hard pressed on the Tungavailoa, but uh, many people just think it's Tagovailoa. Regardless, Tua is the man. Uh, great thrower on the run. Uh, lefty need need some lefties in the league here. I, I love seeing the lefty. Um, but like you said, the Dolphins are in prime position to be very successful for a decade here with thanks to Bill O'Brien, the freaking jerk. Uh, but uh, let me ask you now, I mean, we're talking about the future with the Dolphins, but is this a playoff team in 2020? I think so. I, I take a look at the landscape of the AFC. So the Colts are kind of falling off by the wayside. I, I think we know it's the Titans, the Steelers, the Chiefs, and probably the Bills. I think it's hard to ignore the Bills. So then, then we need to find three other teams, Randy. Mm-hmm. 
the Browns, I don't, you know, they feel like they're kind of falling off the wagon a bit. I like the Dolphins better than the Browns. Um, I have a feeling it's gonna, we're going to see the Raiders, the Dolphins, and I'm going to go on a limb here and say probably we will see the Ravens. So we'll get Raiders, Ravens, and Dolphins as our wild card teams. I have a feeling. It's, it's pretty much between the Browns and Dolphins at this point. And, I mean, the momentum is a thing that you believe in, and the Dolphins certainly have that over the Browns at this point. But uh, we'll see how – I mean, I, I love the Dolphins and how they're set up for the future. So, uh, a super entertaining game between Miami and Arizona. Uh, that game did not disappoint. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching these two teams. I love watching these two teams each and every week now, uh, even when the Cardinals lose. Uh, and they had a chance to tie the game, and Zane Gonzalez just actually, like, short, like, short yeah. leg to kick that you know was easily makeable I think it was 48 yards you don't really see that from pro kickers that much but uh it was just it was online it was just short uh I mean it was like Joey Sly but except Joey Sly's was 20 yards longer so I don't I don't really know what happened there but yeah uh, yeah yeah I was gonna say the field goal kicking is a problem for the Cardinals I feel that that's the one thing that could really draw them back I think the Cardinals are a playoff team in the NFC Randy but there's missing pieces to this team it feels like still yeah, I'm not saying they're great or anything. They're just entertaining to watch. I love the offense. Kyler Murray is one of the more unconventional quarterbacks I've, I've seen. Like, we've seen running quarterbacks, but he is just different in the style in which he plays and the way he runs. And, you know, he's he's first-round draft pick in baseball, so you, he has a professional baseball slide like Russell Wilson does. So, I mean, Kyler is just electric. I, I can watch it just Kyler play regardless of how good the Cardinals are. All right, let's. We got some news here. Now we're going to move on to. Uh, it is about Big Ben. Uh, earlier today, Ben Roethlisberger was placed on the COVID nineteen list uh, because I believe the tight end for the Steelers. Uh, let me look up his name here. I'm escaping me, but he was positive for the coronavirus, and they're testing um, this morning. Tight end Vance McDonald. So big uh, Ben Roethlisberger, offensive lineman Gerald Hawkins, and running back Jalen Samuels and linebacker Vince Williams all uh, put on the COVID-19 list by the Steelers. Uh, but you saw this last week, you know, Matt Stafford was put on the COVID-19 list earlier in the week and he was cleared to play by Sunday. So this is not an indication that he will miss the game by any chance. But, um, you know, this is just another way that the, you know, the coronavirus lingering around in our world, even post-election. Uh, <laughs> Matt, what do you make of this? Uh, you think Big Ben's going to play on Sunday? I'd be shocked if he doesn't. To me, it just kind of feels like it's just, it's just going to happen. Big Ben doesn't really miss games unless he's physically injured, injured. So to, to me, I, I feel like there's some shady stuff going on with the COVID stuff because, I mean, we saw mm-hmm. baseball players I mean, out for 14 days, you know, mm-hmm. just if they were close to somebody. So right. maybe it's a better understanding. I don't know. But I, I, I do feel like th- there's some alarm bells here. So I don't think the NFL is exactly on the up and up with this COVID stuff. Uh, I mean, if any league is not telling the truth with some of these COVID results, it is the NFL. Uh, they are not really um, shy about at least pr- trying to portray that they care about their players, but not actually caring about their players. So uh, would not shock me at all. Big Ben gets cleared Sunday morning. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, Vance McDonald is the one that tested positive and he was just in contact with him. So it's totally possible that he did not have it. So uh, you, you know, hope that none of these guys get it, but you know, it's the reality of the world that we live in and trying to play sports in 2020. So uh, we will probably have an update for you on Friday's show about uh, Ben Roethlisberger, um, 
what do we get that news coming into us? All right. Now this story here coming up is probably not the most uh, important story ever, but it is interesting to me because uh, the Falcons drafted defensive lineman Tack McKinley in 2017. You might remember uh, he had this big speech. He was like emotional. He had a, a picture of his mom on the, on the stage and he had this great, like loving personality. Uh, he demanded a trade before the trade deadline last week. Um, the Falcons reportedly turned down a fifth and sixth rounder for McKinley. At least that's what McKinley says on social media. And then the Falcons decided to release him after not picking up his fifth year option just yes the other uh, the other day. Um, and this is interesting because if it's true that they had uh, offers on the table for McKinley, not only do they not get a compensation pick for trading a first rounder, they also have to pick up his salary if a team decides to, to sign him off waivers. So uh, I don't know, Matt, what do you make of the situation? It feels like the Falcons, despite changing, you know, no more Dan Quinn, no more uh, Dimitrov. There's still a poorly run organization. The Falcons always dropping the ball at the last minute, right? The, the victory is right there for them. All you got to do is accept it, man. Just accept one of them. But nope, the Falcons are going to Falcon. So at the last minute, of course, they, they fail. Uh, it's just, it, so some things are just mind boggling. You know, like the Leonard Williams thing to the Giants, you kind of wonder, like, what the hell were you thinking about with that? Um, just too many things for teams that just make too much sense. I mean, something is better than nothing. And now yeah. not only do they get nothing, but they have to pay to get rid of that something. So uh-huh. it's just, it's not good. It, it's a bad situation. Yeah. The logic here does not connect with me. Uh, even despite the fact that Leonard Williams has played really well for the giants this year, it made no sense to trade draft capital in a rebuilding situation for a guy like that. Um, and Tack McKinley, you know, to be critical of him here, he's been, he's played 49 career games and only has 17 and a half career sacks. So it's not like he's been lighting the league on fire. So I don't blame Atlanta for not picking up the, his fifth year option. But like you said, you got to get rid of some of these guys, especially when it's going to cost you. So now you don't even get a comp pick and you got to pay the guy. So you get, you, you're, you're eating money to get rid of a guy when someone else would have willingly taken him off of your hands. So this is what bad teams do. This is why bad teams continue to be bad teams. Uh, a couple of injury notes here, uh, and I briefly touched on it, but Kyle Allen, uh, luckily they said today it was a dislocated ankle. Did you get to see the play, Matt? Uh, it's just I feel like Washington is cursed at this point. I tell you what, I wouldn't want to be Alex Smith behind the center knowing what's happening. I mean, it, it, it's rough, man. I, I saw it. It looked ugly. It's not something that I would advise people to go watch. But, you know, at the end of the day, some teams just don't have good luck and that's what the Washington football club's experiencing. They just have bad luck at that quarterback position. You know, I, I believe in creating your own luck and uh, you know, putting yourself in situations to get good karma. And maybe this is all just uh, just bad karma for years of having a, a nickname people disagreed with and having a, an owner who treats people the way he does. So unfortunately it's taken out of the quarterbacks who typically don't have anything to do with that, but this is how typically these things shake out. Uh, and it could be, you know, Alex Smith is going to be the starting quarterback, but now Dwayne Haskins jumps up to this backup quarterback situation and, Pretty soon enough here, man, I would not be shocked if we have Dwayne Haskins back in our lives. I mean, it's nice. I always like to see Dwayne Haskins throwing interceptions for the, you know, Washington Football Club. Um, but no, on a serious note, I hope Dwayne Haskins gets another shot at this. I, I don't think he was benched fairly. I, 
I don't think Ron Rivera likes it. I think he likes a steadier, more veteran presence at quarterback. So, you know what? Let Dwayne Haskins go. I mean, him and Darnold will be out in the free market testing, you know, whatever teams were willing to give up for them. So, hopefully the best for Dwayne Haskins. The alarming thing to me about Haskins and other reports are is that he's not a hard worker. He doesn't take his job very seriously. Is that you can get away with that probably when you're a defensive lineman. Um, maybe the only position you probably can get away with it is if you're like a nose tackle or something. Um, but when you're the quarterback, you you really have to set the tone for hard work in your locker room and in your clubhouse. Like it, that stuff resonates and people see that you're not working hard. You're not uh, trying to understand defenses, not learning the playbook, uh, not taken seriously no one's going to respect you as the leader of that team. So that, that to me is not a good sign if you're Dwayne Haskins, but a lot of it comes with maturity and, you know, your first round pick, you, you got to mature. So hopefully for Haskins and the Reds, uh, I almost said it, I, I cut myself off, but hopefully for the Washington football team's sake, uh, he will grow up eventually because it's really all it is at this point. It's just growing up. Uh, one last injury note is Christian McCaffrey. And I, I mentioned it in the game recap, but he came back from an ankle injury that sidelined him for a month. And now it appears that he has a shoulder injury, which also could make him miss several weeks, Matt. I don't know if you watched, but you could kind of see him grimacing on the sidelines during that game. Yeah. Being a running back and having a shoulder injury is not something that you want. (laughs) Typically when you have to try to break tackles and his style does not lend itself well to a shoulder injury. I'm trying to play through that. I I think he needs to take some time, get it healthy, Uh, Panthers are are one of those weird teams. Where do you get better at if you're the Panthers? I like Curtis Samuel. I like DJ Moore. They have talent. Um, You know, it's an interesting team, but, you know, they seem to be missing something. Move up in the draft. Don't worry about it. I, I think you sit CMC, let them get healthy because that's your future. Yeah, if you. You uh, have still have Mike Davis stock in fantasy. Hopefully you did not sell uh, and you kept it, kept a hang on that because uh, he'll be back in your lineup this week, most likely. All right. We have a game on Thursday that uh, at the surface kind of feels like blah to me because of the Colts in there. Uh, just, just lack of interest in general, especially with, with, <laughs> with Philip Rivers playing quarterback in 2020. It's just not that something I really want to see anymore, but at least the Titans are, are something, you know, here, I don't think the Titans played the greatest game ever against the bears, but they are a playoff team for sure. And they, you know, they were a final four team last year. Ryan Tannehill has played very well since taking over as the quarterback for the Titans. Uh, this is a division showdown. So you don't really know anything could happen in these interdivision showdowns, AFC South, um, you know, I love, I, I kind of love the Titans because I love Rabel and despite their defense being mediocre, they have this sort of like Rabel type style to them that I don't know what it is, but it just screams like, I love football and I love that. So. Yeah. I, I like Tennessee a lot. I think they get a lot of, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't they, they seem to get a lot out of a little with this team. You know, you lost your best left tackle in the NFL in title one, and yet they still did okay against a really good Bears defense. So, to me, the Colts are better than the Bears. I'm not sure if the Colts are better defensively than the Bears, but to me, this feels like a classic Titans win. They didn't really struggle too much defensively against the Bears offense. I mean, let's face it, that defense didn't have to work that hard. They'll they'll have to play better against the Colts, I think, especially, you know, when they're not playing prevent defense. But, you know, I, I 
I like this game for the Titans. I, I think the Titans win a close one. I, I think it's going to be low scoring, so I'll say 21 to 20, Tennessee. Okay. I mean, I, looking at the records, though, Titans 6-2, and two, Colts 5-3, and three, so this still is a matchup of teams with winning records here. Uh, and I do think it will be a close game, but I just can't get over how bad Philip Rivers has looked. I mean, it is basically how bad Eli Manning looked at the end. Uh, it is not good for Philip Rivers. And I think the Titans win. I mean, the Titans right now are minus two, and I think they end up covering here. I'm going to go Titans 27, Colts 20. And, uh, you know, it would be probably – a little ugly, but probably watchable at the end of the day. So that's the game we have on Thursday, Matt. Uh, now it's time for Audible Fantasy Updates. We haven't had an update in a couple of weeks here because of our absence, but give me the 12-team update, and then I'll give you the 10-team update. Well, I'm just going to say, by hook or by crook, I keep on winning. I keep on moving forward. My, you know, my team is like the Bears. Offensively, we're challenged. But you know what? Defensively, we just smother teams. So, to give you an updated standings, me leading the West Division by a full game, coming out of the basement all the way to the top. I am now six and three. My win streak is four games, Randy. Let's we're go. Catching, yeah, we're catching fire at the right time. Um, our leaders in the East Division, Little Giants, Stephen Furlong, just hanging on four and five. Uh, Akil, our guy, our Patriots fan, four and five as well. Not one team at 500 in this division. And the North, the North is proving to be the best division. Randy, our guy, my guy, my fellow White Sox fan, Chris Rudrick, is at seven and two, followed by EJ, who is seven and two. Then Felipe Melicio, his goal was to get to five wins. Remember, he kept on saying, if I can just get to five and three. Well, now he's six and three. Ooh. Moving on up, he's got a three-game winning streak. And then, Fammy, I'm sorry, man. Yeah, I, I beat you 95 to 90. I, I gave you every opportunity to win this week, and you, you just couldn't do it. You can't, can't do it. Can't win with them. But don't worry, I'm not pulling my pants down. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> he is three and six. So, you know what? It's competitive, Randy. You know, I, I, I'm hanging on by the Hair on my chinny chin chin. I'm, I'm happy to hear that because you're also doing that in the 10 team audible league here uh, where my team is Jekyll and Hyde. If there ever was a fantasy team, I go back and forth with wins and losses each week. This week was a loss to Ricky Velasquez. Uh, I lost 131 to 52 falling to four and five and Ricky improves to seven and two. He is first in the East division. Uh, you, Matt, you have an upset of the week. You won 136 to 108 over Mac attack and they're six and three. You are now five and four second in the East division, very much alive in, in the middle of things here. Uh, my buddy Anthony NY Dolpe beating Jacob Anthony Moses, our friend, host, uh, co-host of uh, Ballless Life, the step back, uh, 118 to 77. Blazing Brett, uh, 90.5 over Aiden Schrader, 70.1. Um, Brett Sanchez now is third in the East Division, right on your tails at five and four as well. And then Danny Dimes, 167, the highest score of the week over Torsuk. Uh, he improves six and seven second in the West division. So uh, me and you uh, more so me living in mediocrity in this league, but uh, some, some interesting matchups and interesting uh, playoff scenarios to play out here in this 10 team league. Uh, you know, you might be making a run here, you know, Cutler's attic. Uh, who cares? Yeah, we don't, we don't care. <laughs> 
I love the name. It, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man, I tell you, Jay Cutler. But no, I mean, it has been an interesting league. I've battled injuries in both leagues, but everyone has. You know what? No excuses. You play the deck that you've been handed, and you know what? You just keep on churning. Absolutely. Um, now, is there anyone on the waiver wire for this week that you're looking to pick up here, Matt? I'm not going to say it out loud. I, I have to hope to pick somebody back up because I dropped them. So, you know, idiotically enough, I sat Christian Kirk. And then one of our leagues, since no one's watching anymore, I, I dropped Christian Kirk. I'm not going to tell anybody which league because I'm going to go get him again. I, I don't know, Randy. Like, really, it's just paper clips and bubble gum right now at this point. There are guys out there that I'm trying to look at. I mean, maybe Booker from the Raiders is a guy that I would try to get. And every time I say it on this damn show, someone goes in there and picks the fuckers up. Every time I drop it in, well, damn it, he's gone now. So, nope, I'm not giving you fools any more advice because you're in my fantasy league and you're stealing my guys. Yeah, that's that's the problem with doing a show like this because people who you play with, they're taking your advice and doing things to spite you. So uh, I'll throw it out there. I don't care. I'm in six leagues. So the chances of every person I play with in all six leagues are watching is unlikely. So uh, we have four bye weeks, uh, Falcons, Cowboys, Chiefs, and Jets, the notable ones, the Falcons and Chiefs. So you're going to be missing Matt Ryan. You're going to be missing Pat Mahomes and all of the pass catchers and running backs in those teams. Um, so I'm looking at someone to replace quarterback. If you have Pat Mahomes or Matt Ryan, uh, I'm looking at Derek Carr, primarily a quarterback, uh, Tua Tagovailoa. I already scooped up in a league that I had Matt Ryan knowing that he had a bye week coming up. So if you need a quarterback option, I'd go there. Uh, Alan Lazard might be coming off IR this week. I love Lazard on the Packers. So I think that's a, a good option as well. Um, DJ Dallas, if there's no Chris Carson for the Seahawks, DJ Dallas has done a nice job for them. Uh, and as far as tight ends, I need a tight end real bad in one league. And Mo Ali Cox is just chilling there. Uh, in a lot of leagues, and he plays Thursday night against the Titans, and the Titans' defense not very good. And Jack Doyle is looking like he's not going to play this week for the Colts. So uh, Moali Cox is hurt himself, but if he gives it a go, you expect a higher volume for him. So uh, I think that those are good uh, options if you guys are looking for for players. And I know I have people I play with that are going to jump all over that because you know I'm an idiot and I just gave them all fantasy advice, but. Matt, why don't you tell us now before we say goodbye about some of the other shows we have under our podcast, Life Umbrella. Okay. Obviously, uh, Ball is Life. They come up every other Wednesday. Then we're open-ended. Total Bases podcast on Sunday, so keep an eye open for them. Um, they did their nice wrap-up of the season lately and all the incoming free agents. And then Dong City. Well, I'm sorry. I forgot. Friday, we are back. We did take a week hiatus. Things got crazy. Election results are still pended. We don't know who's, who our next president of the United States is. I'm just kidding. Yes, we do. But I'm not going there. Um, but the Audible will be airing on Friday, you know, around noon Eastern time. And then we go back to Total Basis Podcast on Sunday. Then Dong City, oh, Total Basis Podcast with Felipe and Sean Connor fan, Flannery. Step back has Jacob Anthony Moses and Leon Tompkins, our resident Lions fan, who left because the Lions also leave in the fourth quarter because they're losing. And then Vince McDetty and Henry Maldonado, Henry Maldonado Jr. on Mondays on Dong City, breaking down all the baseball news, all the interesting free agents. They did their postseason or their free agent prediction. I didn't like it too much because my White Sox didn't get anybody besides George Springer from Vince, but thank you, Vince, because I do want Springer. 
but Henry left us cold in the rain. So that's what we got going on. That's what you have. That's what happens when you sign Tony Larusa to be your manager in 2020. Uh, you don't get anything nice to for you after that. Um, but yeah, I really want to thank all of you guys for dealing with our brief hiatus here. Uh, if you don't know, I work in news. It has been a busy year to work in news. It's obviously been a busy time in general to work in news. Uh, I had just moved. Uh, I'm in a a new space. It's pretty empty in here, but I got the baseball live banner up for you guys to represent. Uh, so I'm still setting up things in here. So I also had a personal issue. Uh, I had a death in my life. So I uh, just want to, you know, you know, say I, I'm sorry, but I, I wasn't in the right headspace to talk about football. So uh, if you can keep your thoughts and prayers with my friend Jordan and his family, they uh, would be greatly appreciated for me. Jordan was a big Giants fan. And I know that him and I always talked about how, uh, you know, the 2012 run, especially, meant a lot to us so uh my friend jordan you'll be missed the show dedicated to you and uh matt thank you so much for for dealing with that too i know i caught, caught you off guard with a couple of the shows that i had oh, to miss so. no no worries our condolences <laughs> you know the bushnell family extends our condolences to you randy and your friend's family we know it's a very trying time and yeah. life trumps football yeah it's it's hard to I have a hard time dealing with death in general. If you guys watch the show, you probably know that anytime someone in the world uh, passes, I, I take it hard, most likely. Uh, and this one was personal and someone my age and someone I had a great relationship with in my life. So I uh, still dealing with that. But at the end of the day, uh, he'd want me to eventually do some things that I loved and, and not live life in that, in that way. So this, this show and probably the rest of the, the year, honestly, is dedicated to him and his honor. And uh, I'm going to miss you. And, I appreciate it. So thank you guys on Facebook for, for joining us. And I didn't mean to end on a somber note, but I did want to give my friend a shout out and unfortunately give you guys an update on what happened in my life. So, <laughs> uh, but this is, this has been football life presents the audible. I want to thank you all on Facebook for participating, whether you're watching on Facebook live on YouTube, whether you're joining us on any of the audio platforms on Spotify, Apple, uh, on, on anchor any of those we greatly appreciate how you're listening wherever you're listening uh we appreciate all the support so uh on behalf of matt bushnell i'm randy hammond saying see you guys on friday